everyone. Welcome to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We invite you to join our mission to love like Jesus, and you can connect with us on social media or visit our website, csvineyard.org. Now for this week's talk, brought to you by co-lead pastor, Amos Grunendijk. Uh, I know some of you bring Bibles from home. If you didn't bring one, I would love for you to grab one off of the back wall or you, I mean, I'm biased against opening up the Bible app on your phone because personally I find that I have a hard time staying focused on the Bible app and end up on other apps or the internet. But uh, you could open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I know the I know it says chapter 13 there. Uh, It's because after reading a bit out of chapter 14, we're going to back up the train into chapter 13. Uh, We've been talking about the power of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Last week, we talked about what it means to be contemplative charismatics. In other words, uh, we believe that God wants to do stuff, is doing stuff, is speaking, is healing, uh, is drawing people to himself, but also as contemplatives, like we're designed for friendship with Jesus. So a contemplative is someone who simply gazes. And in in the case of what we're talking about, we're gazing at the beauty of Jesus, at the person of Jesus, uh, seeking uh, out the words of Jesus and wanting to love like Jesus. So if we want to love like Jesus, we got to spend time with Jesus. We, We rest in some of the ancient Uh, disciplines or habits that uh, followers of Jesus have developed over hundreds and thousands of years. And so as we continue in this series, I want to say a few things. The first is that here at the Vineyard, we believe that the gifts of the Spirit, I have a slide for this if I can't get it open, are given to anyone at any time for a specific purpose. So This might come as a surprise to you. It's what we believe here. Maybe you grew up not believing in like any of the supernatural gifts of the Spirit. Maybe you're just uh, unsure what what I mean by that. Uh, Hopefully that becomes a little more clear, but uh, prophecy is one of the gifts of the Spirit. That's what we're going to be talking about today. And as soon as I say the word prophecy, some of you just went... Because you might believe some things about prophecy that are either coming from uh, a, a particular church background. Maybe you don't believe that like God is still speaking today or that God uses the gift of prophecy today because of a theological paradigm that you were raised in. Or maybe your main exposure to prophecy is from YouTube. And so as I was watching different teachings on prophecy, some of them had like red letters with black and white uh, pictures behind them, and it looked very ominous. So if you're learning what prophecy is from YouTube, just remember that you should believe everything you see on the internet. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's not it at all. And, uh, and I think one of the things that I actually thought and was I had a very limited understanding of prophecy, even growing up in the church, is that prophecy is always about predicting the future looking ahead and saying, this is what's going to happen on a world stage. So, I mean, if that's your view, and if your primary input about prophecy is from YouTube, you probably uh, have been hearing conspiracy theories on the internet. Like, that's a lot of the conspiracy theories use prophetic language or even prophetic energy or invoke prophetic 
prophecy and name to like try to gain um, momentum, to gain weight. And let me just say that more often than not, when prophets go on YouTube predicting the thing that's going to happen on June 1st, what happens on June 1st? Nothing, but, but on June 2nd, they say, oh, I just got the date wrong. It's actually, it's going to be next year on June 1st, and hopefully you forget about it between now and then. And uh, when they make a new prophecy, then you believe, you believe them again. And one of the problems, I mean, just with YouTube is that there's no, there's no community to discern whether or not this person is speaking truth, whether or not this person, like, has a character that reflects deep friendship with God or not. So what I define prophecy as is not primarily predicting the future or foretelling, not fortune telling, but a message that God has for someone right now. Prophecy assumes that God is speaking, that actually here in the vineyard, we would say like the airwaves are full of God's communications for people. And sometimes God will speak to you, but the message is actually for someone else. That's what I mean by prophecy. And so would you guys stand if you're open to 1 Corinthians 14? We stand simply to honor the words that are here in the Bible. We believe that they're trustworthy and true and useful. And so um, let me also just pray and invite God to be our teacher today. So Jesus, send your spirit. I ask that you would use what is read and what is spoken to draw us closer to you, to make us uh, reflect your generosity and kindness and love to others. Help us to know that love for ourselves as well. So come Holy Spirit. We invite you to speak. So this is 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. Let love be your highest goal. But you should also desire the special abilities that the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, I'm not actually going to talk about that today, but you can ask about it some other time, you will be talking only to God since people won't be able to understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. I wish you could all speak in tongues, but even more, I wish you could all prophesy. You guys can have a seat. Now let's, let's, like I said, let's just back up into 1 Corinthians 13. If 1 Corinthians 13 evokes something in you, it's like, I, I've heard pastors use this before. It's probably at a wedding. Uh, a lot of people like it because it's a chapter all about love. It's not actually about romantic love, though. It's about uh, how to love like Jesus and how to love uh, not just a person, but people, like people in your community, people in your neighborhood, people at your workplace. Uh, and so this is coming right after the, the passage where it says love is patient, love is kind. But uh, if, you, if you just pick up there in verse 8, so 1 Corinthians 13 verse 8, it says prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will 
become useless. But love lasts forever. So this is predicting a future time when Jesus returns where we can see God clearly and perfectly, where we don't need uh, people to carry God's message to us, but we'll actually, we'll, we'll be with him face to face. This is either when Jesus returns or at the point where we go to meet Jesus when we die. Um, so that's saying it will be useless, but we know that in just a minute, Paul, who's writing to an early church here in Corinth, is saying prophecy is really good for the church right now, really good for people trying to follow Jesus. So, Verse 9, now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. One of the things we say as we prophesy is to do so in humility. Why? Because as we prophesy, we only see part. We, only, we hear imperfectly. And we, we filter the things that we hear from God and from other people trying to deliver a message from God with, with a filter where we, we could actually distort what God is trying to say or, or misinterpret. And it's because before that time where Jesus returns or until our, our death where we go and see him, we're still, we're still like uh, imperfect to say the least and, and can, can easily let our flesh, those things that drive us toward selfishness or greed or to do just what I want, not what's good, uh, can, can get in the way or can, can filter or twist the words. This is kind of what he's, I think, saying in verse 11. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Some of you have children. All of you have seen children because they're running around and you heard them on the video earlier, right? In the lobby when we were making a video. One of the defining things about children is they're thinking about what they want and what they need. Mommy, I'm hungry. Daddy, I'm tired. I want candy mostly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, they're saying, I want, I want, I want, I need, I need, I need. But as we grow, if you're a parent, you have to, uh, in particular, think about the needs of others. You have to love, to love other people is a sign of maturity, is a sign that you're adulting, right? And so Paul says in verse, lost my page, 11, when I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child, but when I grew up, I put away childish things. And so even when we prophesy, the temptation might be to make us seem super spiritual or like, man, isn't this impressive? But the goal is that, people would know the love of God. Verse 12, Now I see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I, know, but then I will know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Now we're in verse 14. Let love be your highest goal. And if that's all you heard today, if you stop listening, please don't. Uh, just remember, 
in, in the general, <laughs> in the, like the goal of your life should be to love. And in the particular, when you prophesy, if you feel like you're receiving a message from God for someone else, make sure that they feel loved afterward. But you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives. So love is your highest goal, but also desire the special abilities that the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. Verse, jump down to verse 3. The one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. So, all the prophecy, all the times we think we're hearing God for someone else, contrary to what you might see on YouTube, the YouTube prophecies often don't pass this filter. The highest goal is not love. The highest goal might be a political agenda, just for instance. Uh, the filter for the message we have for someone else is that it, three things, strengthens, encourages, and comforts them. Now, you might be wondering, but aren't some of uh, what prophecies do or what the Holy Spirit does is convict people that it's time to turn their life toward Jesus? Like, I've been living in a way that is not... Uh, in sync with the desire of God, the character of God, uh, the teaching of the Bible. And I, yes, <laughs> I think the Holy Spirit does convict, but it does not condemn. Jesus, God the Father, the Holy Spirit, God, when he says, you're my child, uh, as Romans 8 teaches, there is no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. And so if, if you're giving a word that you think might be a little sharp, remember, if you're heaping condemnation, if you're thinking, if I could just make them feel guilty, if you know that like this could potentially invoke shame, just be very careful. It doesn't mean that every word from God is always positive and happy and clappy. But it has to pass the encourage, strengthen, and filter. I mean, to strengthen something, sometimes there actually has to be a little bit of pain. So if you want, you know, muscles like mine, um, or like Danny's, you got you to gotta actually have some conviction <laughs> that it's time to go to the gym, <laughs> right? And uh, you actually, you break down those muscles so that they can grow. So like God, God will call people to repentance, but remember, it's not your job to pile on guilt and shame. The Holy Spirit can do the convicting. Try, just be faithful to Jesus in that your words to others are loving. Like, again, in the general sense, why, why couldn't all of our words have the goal of strengthening, uh, encouraging, and comforting? Why couldn't that be? But especially when you prophesy, because here's the thing. Prophecy is one of the dangerous gifts of the Spirit. If we let our own pride, if we let our own ambition, if we let our own desires to build, a, 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 what do you call it on social media when you have followers? Uh, I know you guys are, an influencer, yeah. If, if your goal is to be an influencer, what will and can happen, can and will happen, 
it's possible to probable that you will invoke, I think God has spoken, God is telling me this in order to fulfill your own agendas. But Paul doesn't say because it's dangerous, just don't do it. Paul says something else. Paul says eagerly desire the gift of prophecy. But what happens if we get it wrong? And that might be something that holds some of us back from feeling like, I think I got something from God for somebody else, but I don't want to be wrong. Well, if you read the Old Testament, you know what happens? You got stoned. Got somebody from uh, Brooklyn, right? Here. You got stoned. So, I mean, just be really careful. There's a bunch of rocks out in, you know, lots of rocks. No. So uh, we don't do that anymore, right? You don't want to know why? Because the New Testament uh, sheds some clarity and light and gives us new instructions. You know what they are? They're here in verse, uh, 1 Corinthians 14. So instead of stoning people, we do uh, 1 Corinthians 14, jump all the way over to the next page, verse 29. Let two or three people prophesy and let the others evaluate what is said. So the stakes for prophecy in the Old Testament were very high. A lot of the prophecies in the Old Testament got turned into Scripture. Like, this is Bible. You, you don't want to screw around uh, with what, what is, is going to be Scripture. But in the, in the New Testament, for the people of God, for us, what happens when you get it wrong? Well, people discern it. People evaluate it. People test it. Uh, I think the word discern is a, is a really important word. I'm just wondering, I need a little help discerning this morning. Can anybody, is this poison ivy? What, no? Uh, how do you know? You know what it looks like. Okay, so leaves of three, let it be. You discern poison ivy. I mean, you could also discern it by doing this. Uh, okay, I know, I know that this isn't poison ivy. In fact, I was going with a walk with somebody uh, up around Fellowship Road, and those roads get really narrow, and there's a school bus that starts driving toward us. And the person I'm walking with says, don't you think we should like step off the road? And I look and there's this beautiful bed of poison ivy. And I said, nope, I'm taking my chances with the bus. <laughs> anyway, uh, leaves of three, let it be. So do all plants with three leaves uh, give you this really horrible, irritating skin rash? No. What else are you looking for? Shiny. shiny. Are all shiny three-leaved plants Kids, again, this is very useful. It's a very practical teaching here at the Vineyard. You guys want to know what poison ivy looks like. Okay, what else are you looking for? Bowed? It's lobes. So yeah, the, uh, I say the leaves are irregular. Now, I have told you a certain set of filters to discern whether or not that green plant is uh, poison ivy and you should stay away or whatever this five-leaf plant is, uh, and it's fine. It's like not going to cause you any trouble. But the best way to learn, in addition to having that knowledge, is to have someone walk with you and say, is this poison ivy? And they'll say, no. Is this, see, it's got five leaves and it's, you know, it's got jagged edges, not irregular edges. Uh, is this poison ivy? Yes. And so if you have someone to discern with, you will eventually learn uh, what is poison ivy and what is not poison ivy without, you know, the, the skin test. Without the, I hope, I mean, I think it's 
fine, we'll, we'll see. Like, I think it's God. We'll see what happens, you know. We can do better than that because uh, there, are, there are tools, there are filters that we can run uh, God's voice through. So discernment is a big deal. I want to jump to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. You can do that if you want. It'll take me a second to get there. I, I have this passage up. It's where, but uh, it's not the next slide, though. I can tell you that <laughs> for, the, for the slides. It's uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I used to have these cool little clips. I don't know where they went. Okay. It's page 1254. Nope. It's page 1250. Verse 19. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 19. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. This is Paul speaking to a different church. But this is, again, pretty good, pretty good to keep in mind. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies. But, okay, someone who's not looking, what do you think, what do you think the opposite of scoffing at prophecies would be? You, you might think it's just like, just have faith. Just do what the prophecy says, Right? But the opposite of scoffing at prophecies, the rest of the verse says, but test everything that is said and hold on to what is good. So we actually scorn or scoff at prophecies when we don't test them. If somebody says, I think this might be God, that would be good language because that would show humility, not the Lord has spoken to me. If people use funny voice or funny words, just, I would say, like, be careful with that. Like, I don't understand most of the words you're saying. So I'm just going to, I'm going to really test this one. You know what I mean? Uh, but, but we do, like, we believe that God is speaking. But we also believe that there's discernment that has to happen. And a lot of the discernment that we must go through is the same as if we're hearing God for ourselves, And so there, just remember, there's a distance between God speaking and the action that we might take in response to that word from God. There's discernment because we hear imperfectly like in a mirror. And don't think mirror like in the bathroom here at the vineyard or at home. Think like, uh, you know, kind of some polished bronze. Like it's, you're not going to get a real clear picture because because of our own stuff, because of our baggage, because of our sin. And so uh, I'm just going to put these six things up. I put up the slide actually back in January. There's a list of six things. These are discernment filters. And uh, I'm not going to go into them, but these would, these would apply uh, to whether you feel like God is speaking to you for you or whether God is speaking to you for someone else. But remember that there is a step of discernment. And do you think you should do discernment by yourself, you know, just you and God, or not? Or with other people? With other people. 1 Corinthians verse, uh, chapter 14, verse 29, let others evaluate what is said. Our tendency is to, when we feel like God is giving us direction, to isolate. I don't know why that is. Uh, we believe that, like, God speaks and it's and it's um, it's our responsibility to figure out what he's saying or leading us to do. But again, he's actually put us in a community for a reason. There's a lot of people. I mean, in this country, particularly, who think that 
our relationship with God should be private and it's individual and we don't need church because, you know, I have this thing with God. That's just not what Jesus did and that's not what the Bible describes as healthy spirituality. And so stay connected to other people that you trust who can help you discern what God might be saying. Some of you struggle to hear from God. That doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. God loves you. Um, We know that uh, from the scriptures. But some of us struggle to hear from God. Uh, and we want to hear God so badly for ourselves. And, and we, we can sometimes over, uh, overanalyze what God wants to be telling us. But I also think that for me, and I find this is true for most other people, if we want to hear God for ourselves, the first step sometimes is actually to try and listen to God in what he says to other people. So in other words, if you want to hear God for yourself, sometimes actually practicing the gift of prophecy helps you learn what God's voice sounds like. So now I'm not saying just walk up to somebody and be like, I think God might be saying this. Here's what you do. I got a three-step process here. If you want to learn how to hear God's voice or learn how to prophecy, start by watching somebody else do it. This is, this is not rocket science. This is like vineyard level, uh, vineyard 101. If you want to learn how to operate in any of the spiritual gifts, how to do the Holy Spirit stuff, how to live like Jesus, watch someone else do it. Or in the case of prayer, like just ask for prayer more often. You'll start to hear the sorts of things that people uh, hear God say. If you start doing that, you'll start noticing like God is stirring some words in me as this other person is praying for, you know, Jim. And uh, and this this happened to me just last week. Uh, me and Emily were praying for somebody and twice she said the words that were on the tip of my tongue. The first had, the first was like a message and the first had to do with uh, God's peace. Now, again, I pray for God's peace a lot, but it was, it was at the exact moment that me and Emily had the same impression. And you'll find that this will happen to you as well. The second time was actually more of a picture. So instead of a word or a message, it was like a, uh, we're, we're sensing this there's this fire inside of your kids. And it, it was just the craziest thing. I like saw it, but couldn't quite put words to it. And then Emily spoke it. And so again, if you want to, if you want to learn how to hear God's voice for other people or for yourself, watch someone do it, do it with somebody. And then, you know, uh, maybe you take the lead eventually and you learn how to uh, discern the voice of God. Remember, prophecy is usually not predictive. It can be. Uh, in fact, we've, we've experienced this in our church a little bit. Like about a year and a half ago, maybe it was two years ago, uh, the founding pastor of this church, Bob, gave a, said something on a Sunday like, this is going to be a season of babies. And I don't know if you've noticed how many babies there are under six months in this church, but there's, it's, it's out of proportion <laughs> uh, to the number of humans. There, there's just a ton of babies. So that was, uh, that was like, in a way, predictive. But in, in another way, it was actually to encourage and confirm what was already stirring in some of our people here at the Vineyard. When I think about the, 
the most important times that God has spoken to me, it's actually uh, been words of comfort or encouragement or, or strengthening. And so the last thing I feel like God really spoke to me was, uh, you can trust me. Really simple, right? You could, you could know that from the Bible, but to tune into God's voice and have him say it in a particular case as you're facing a particular trial, that's powerful. That is sustaining. That is comforting, strengthening, and encouraging. Uh, I want to give another little, I guess, tip as we, as we land. Um, to hear God's voice, think about it like there are two radios in front of you. And I actually had a radio that looked something like this growing up. I don't know that it actually worked, but it was sure fun to turn the knobs. Did anybody have one of these? In the old days, radios had knobs, <laughs> and they had usually two of them. One of them was for what? Volume. Volume. The other one was for tuning. Like, what am I listening to? There are different radio stations. There are different messages. And they're saying different things or playing different music, right? So there are two radios in front of us. One of them is, like, we want to tune into God. We want to turn up that volume. And there are a couple different channels, I think, that we can tune into, right? One of them is reading the Bible. One of them, maybe if you have a spiritual director, uh, you want to learn to hear the voice of God for yourself or other people, like tune into a spiritual director, prophesy, spend time. Another channel might be spending time with Jesus. When you pray, don't only talk, but start to try uh, having a conversation with God. Keep the conversation going. Say, God, what do you, what do you want to say to me today? Um, I'm feeling confused, lost, spiritually dry and wait. And uh, don't put the pressure on, like, oh, this was the voice of God for sure. Just say, maybe that was God. Write it down. Over time, you'll learn how to tune that dial. But in order to listen to what God is saying, we have to do something with this other radio. There's a lot of noise in the world. And not all of it's bad. Like, there's a lot of really interesting good things. People are doing amazing stuff. Like, you can tune into good channels and bad channels from the world. But if you want to listen to God's voice, you've got to turn that volume down. Two radios shouting at you at once. Um, let me just say, there's a, lot more, the, uh, the, there's a lot more content out there today than ever before. And there's a lot more good stuff and a lot more bad stuff. But we can trust that if we're tuning into God's voice, he's doing it because he wants friendship with us. That is the why behind the reason of prophecy. Thanks again for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church Chester Springs. We hope you share this with your friends and family and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.